I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 131, Psalm 131. Now when we get to the 131st Psalm, it is the first of three of the Psalms that we call the Songs of Degrees that are very short. There are three of them that actually have three verses. And this is one of those. The other one is Psalm 133 and Psalm 134, the last two, which we're going to actually look at together at that point in time because it deals with unity and praise. And a great way to end, to put those together. You'll never praise uh, unless you're unified in Him, and you'll never praise in the congregation unless you're unified together. And uh, it's uh, interesting, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that It's one of the shortest psalms, this one right here, Psalm 131, but one of the longest to learn. How about that? And we look at this, we see uh, three things. We see the heart of David, and in the heart of David, what we see is his humbleness, and uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. And then we see the hush of David, where he learned to be still and be quiet. And then we look at the hope of David. And uh, based on what is being said in these three short verses, uh, probably this was written way early in David's life, during the time of his shepherding days, when he was uh, close to the Lord, away from uh, the things of the world, and had a lot of time to spend with the Lord as he would deal with the sheep. And, of course, we know that he was a great protector of the sheep because uh, David makes the statement, thy servant took care of the bear and took care of the lion, and he's going to take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. And so it kind of uh, radiates that time. And one of the things that I noticed that uh, happens when we get busy in life, now I'm going to say this and uh, listen to me carefully, not just only busy in life and the things that we have to do that are necessary like our jobs and paying the bills and going to work and taking the kids to school and those things but sometimes we get so busy in the things that we do for the Lord that we forget to be for the Lord and the most important thing is being doing follows being doing flows out of what your being is And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. He wants us to take the time to spend with him. Thus, we must have a time of quiet time, a time to be alone with the Lord. So let's take a look 
at the heart of David, the hush of David, the hope of David, and then we're going to sum it up with a word that David had during this time that the Bible talks about that we need to have in our lives as well. First, let's read the psalm all the way through. It's short. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. We come into this heart of David. And you remember that the Bible says in the uh, New Testament that David was a man after God's own heart. Even later in life where he messed up and things uh, got to him. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He should have been when the time that kings go out to war and all this. Yet his heart was broken that he had done what he had done and he poured out to God saying have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness and he had that wonderful psalm of repentance of psalm 51 where he prayed that he would you know create in me a clean heart renew me a right spirit restore me the joy of thy salvation purge me with his that wash me and i shall be clean whiter than snow i mean he wanted to be clean because he wanted his heart to be back right where it needed to be. He wanted to have that place back that he had for so long. And so he says, Lord, and he addresses the Lord. So we see here right off the bat that there is an addressing of God. Here the word Lord is all capital, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the I am, the right now, Lord, I'm addressing you, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, he said, I have no heart for pride. I have no heart for pride. In this time of David's life, he just had no heart for pride. Being a shepherd wouldn't have been something uh, that people would have looked at and said, oh, you've got a really great job. It was really usually given to the youngest son. And we know that David was the youngest of eight. He was the last to be called. No one thought to call him. They didn't believe he would be it. The, the very first one, you know, alive. Hey, look how tall he is. He's got to be the Lord's anointed. And the Lord said, don't look at the outward appearance. Don't look at the height of his stature. Man looks outwardly, but God looks on the heart. Lord, my heart is not haughty. I have no heart for pride. I do not have that in me. I don't want that to be in me. At that point in time in David's life, it just was all about his relationship with the Lord. And may I say that the number one thing to guard with all of your heart and life is your relationship to the Lord because everything else flows out of it. Working for the Lord or doing something for the Lord, working in your church, doing something for your church, all of those things, yep, they all flow out of your relationship to the Lord. If you're going to enjoy a marriage that's solid, you're going to have to have a solid relationship with the Lord. If you're going to have any kind of anything in life, your relationship to the Lord is the number one thing. When we look at the humility of the heart, humbleness has to come out of the heart. It, it has to be a place of genuine 
heartfeltness. The Bible makes it very clear that those that puff themselves up are going to be pushed down, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Okay, it's his place to do that. You just humble yourself under the place where he belongs, the, or where you belong. The Bible makes it very, very clear that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And humble is a submission to the things of God and not calling attention to it. You know, uh, I've heard people say uh, to their kids, you know, it seems to me like you're being really proud of being humble and uh, you can do that but you don't even think about it you just do it because it's what's right to do and you uh, rank yourself under and the things of God and never think twice about it don't mention it because it's not part of who you are he said I have no heart of pride but then he said I also have no exalted eyes nor mine eyes lofty the word idea there of lofty is lifted up, exalted, high, exalting my eyes up. I don't lift my eyes up. It's kind of interesting. I grew up in a home, and uh, my mom was a professional uh, runway model, and she actually modeled uh, back in the 60s and 70s the uh, really expensive, uh, long, uh, gowns and things that people would wear to the big events and uh, my mom was pretty good at uh, how fashion worked and you know what goes with what and what doesn't go with what and what clashes and what doesn't so I had to dress according to her standards which you know shirts had to be so if you had on uh, a shirt that had any kind of pattern to it then the pants had to be solid if the pants had any kind of pattern in it, then the shirt had to be solid but the one thing that sticks out in my mind that my mom uh, told me that uh, I don't think is true today in the sense of the fashion world. I don't believe that's what they believe anymore. But back then, uh, my mom said, you dress so that your eyes are drawn to the other person's eyes and they're drawn to yours. So in other words, the way I dress should draw people to my face. To my eyes because it's the face and the eyes that let people in on what's going on internally it's amazing how you can hear people say oh I can see it in your eyes I can read it on your face now there's other body languages you can get tense you know and you'll know something's wrong and you can see things but the facial expressions are amazing my pastor when I grew up said if you will get in the Word of God and read it with an open heart and open soul uh, it'll change the look on your face so uh, he said, my eyes are not lifted up. And I think it's kind of interesting that our eyes be drawn to Christ and not lifted up into the things of pride. Oh, look at this that I have done. And if you think about that, the minute I said that, this is what came to my mind. Is this not great Babylon that I have built? And that's what Nebuchadnezzar said before this horrible judgment where he became like an animal eating the grass of the field and uh, lost his mind for a while. Yeah, uh, go around saying, this this not great that I have? And don't give God any credit, but you couldn't have done a thing had it not been for God. Lord, my heart is not haughty. I am not 
lifted up in pride. My heart's not there. Mine eyes are not lofty. They're not exalted, but they are lifted up to thee. And my Bible makes it very clear that we are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's who we are to have. But then he goes on and says, not only that, but I said, I neither do I do any foolish exercising. I do not exercise myself in great matters. Now, the idea of that word exercise is movement. Okay, you, you're exercise, you're moving. He said, I don't move about in great matters. I don't take the proud heart. I don't take the haughty look and the exalted look. And I don't concern myself with all these great things that are going on. I don't concern myself with the things that are greater than me because they are not for me to always understand anyhow. So he goes through and he says, I, I, don't, I don't ponder everything and go nuts over it. You know, sometimes things happen. Sometimes there are, there are big things that we just look at and we wonder what in the world's going on. The humble person, you know, he just doesn't, he doesn't get bent out of shape. He doesn't assume high positions in great matters. He doesn't try to push his way up. He lets God lift him up. He lets God take him down. And I remember Jesus looked at the way they sat when they went into the council. He said, you know what? You shouldn't go up there and sit in the higher seat lest somebody come in greater than you and bump you down. But it would be better if you started at the lower end and have somebody come up and say, hey, you need to go up higher. That's the, the key is let the Lord do it. David said, I just don't exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. He said, I don't get in over my head. I don't go with things that are way beyond me. I don't get involved in the great matters and say, I should take care of this. This is who I am. I'm better than you. No, nope, he doesn't do that. He leaves it for the Lord to move him. If he wants him to be the one to do it, great. If not, pull me down wherever you want me, Lord. If you want me in the big position or the little position, that's where I'm going to take because my heart's not haughty and my eyes are not lofty. And I'm not going to get mixed up in things that are just too high for me. They're just way up above me. They're above my head, and I, I don't need to worry about those things. You got it. And anything I need to understand and know, then you can tell me what it is. The heart of David is an incredible heart, and especially in his early days. And he said when he came and saw what was going on with God, is there not a cause? They're defiling the armies of the living God. They can't do that. This is our God. And he had such a heartbeat for God. But then we see the hush of David. What was his secret that he could have such a heart? I believe it was because he had his quiet time alone with the Lord. He, oh, he, he, he spent time in prayer and with the Word of God. Of course, you know and I have the whole Bible. We can read it. We ought to be reading it through. Uh, sometimes I read it through in a year. Sometimes I read it through twice in a year. I have been known to read it through three or four times in a year. And uh, that and I know some people that read it every month. Uh, that's uh, very, very admirable because the, the more I read it, the more I realize that God says things. I go, wait a minute, he just said that over here. And I see where God's heart is. But David said, surely I have behaved and quieted myself. So the first thing I want to look at is the word I have behaved. 
it is in that stem that means intenseness. And he said, listen, I have behaved myself. I have behaved myself. He is dealing with himself. If you're going to have any kind of looking for uh, God to be in a relationship, it's going to be between you and him. And you're going to have to deal with yourself to make sure that you are tuning in to him. We must make sure that what we are doing is that which is the right kind of thing that he wants us to do. So he said, I have behaved myself. I want you to know it has the idea to become like. Kind of think about it. I have become like. I I put my behavior, I become like. I want my behavior so that it becomes like what a Christian is supposed to become like. I want to be that which is becoming of a Christian. That they will look and say, now that's what a Christian in the Bible is. So uh, David said, I have behaved myself. I've just kind of done the things that are becoming to that which would be somebody that says they actually have a heart for you. I have a hush so my heart can grow in you. And I have a heart for you so I keep myself behaved. But I do more than that. I also have quieted myself. Quieted myself. That's interesting because it literally means to be still, motionless. Yes, to keep silent, but to be still and motionless. Remember, be still and know that I am God. Sitting at the feet of Jesus was Mary. And he said, I've quieted myself. I've calmed myself down. And I just have sat there and just, okay, I want my life with you to be a great life. And so I want to have the right kind of conduct. So I'm going to look at what you want. I'm going to calm down. And I'm going to be real quiet before you. And I'm going to let you speak to me. He said, like a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Kind of an interesting thing here. He said, listen, I'm no longer on the bottle, but I'm eating the solid foods. He said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm like one who has been weaned from his mother. I'm, I'm quieting myself, and I'm getting in on the meat of the word. I'm growing. I'm getting myself together. Do you remember what it says over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 13 and 14? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those by who reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There it is. You'll have some discernment that you need. You'll grow. You'll be strong when you're on the meat of the word. You can't stay on the milk of the word. You can't grow and continue to grow. It starts out that way. But then you get on to the solid foods of life. And there are a lot of folks, you know, that their testimony is they've been saved for X number of years, 5, 10, 20, 25, 28, 30, 40, 50. But they don't have any growth process or anything that shows that growth process. He said, I have quieted myself. And he said, and that brings me to the hope. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. And, of course, the word hope has the idea of patiently waiting and expecting. So he said, I'm hoping, Israel, you hope, calm down, 
Don't think too big about yourself. Don't lift your eyes up. Don't exercise yourself in great matters or in things that are just over your head. Listen, behave yourself. Quiet down. Be still. Know that he's God. Grow in the meat of the word. Hope in the Lord. And the whole gist of all of this is one word, contentment. Contentment. He's saying, I am content right here with my Lord, my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and the sheep that he has given me. I'm content where God has put me. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, or we'll say today, uh, Christian employers, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is proud. The exact opposite of what we're talking about. Knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, profuse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute, ooh, I hate that, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, supposing that getting all this stuff is godliness. He said, from such withdraw thyself, but by contrast, godliness with contentment is great gain godliness with contentment the idea of the word contentment is sufficiency i am sufficed it's okay where i'm at right now i am sufficed it's okay i am content he said godliness with contentment is great gain it's a great profit if you are godly and you couple that godliness with being content where god has you the two go together. For he goes on and says in 1 Timothy 6, 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We can't take it with us. So the things that we have here, we're just borrowing them to use them for the Lord because we're going to have to leave them behind anyhow. But he did say, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. If we have the shelter of clothing and the shelter of a place and the shelter of or the ability to eat, hey, listen, just be content. Be sufficed. Say, that's it. I, I'm, I got enough. That's all I need. I'm okay. Everything is going to be okay. The Apostle Paul was dealing with the Philippians, and he was telling them that uh, they were his joy and crown and all that, but then there were some problems, and he said, now, you got to get a hold of these people that are going back and forth and talk to these women who are causing some issues here and do they be of the same mind he said then rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice and that is an imperative do it and he is saying it and that in, uh, we need to do that in a sense of rejoicing of uh, being re happy and to be absolutely glad and thrilled and cheered he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And be careful for nothing. You know that. Don't be anxious. That's a very famous verse. And he goes on, the peace of God will take care of that if you won't be pulled in different directions. And then think on these things. And he goes through and he tells them, if there be any virtue, be any praise. Those are the things to think on. And then he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. 
that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye also were careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Paul said, listen, I am grateful that you all have flourished to take care of me. I'm glad that you have uh, expressed your concern that you want to, to do something for me. You lacked the opportunity, but you really, really wanted to help me. He said, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, I'm not saying, okay, I'm lacking things. Give it to me. He said, that's not what I'm speaking about. Because, and he said, and the reason why I don't do it that for that way, I do it for your sake, but not for mine. He said, I don't worry about what I need, because the word want means lack of things. He said, for I've learned. Now listen to this. I have learned. I wonder if we've learned this. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He said, I've learned to be contented no matter where I find myself in life. And it's interesting because he said, let me explain it to you. I know both. Now, listen, the word there is uh, I know perfectly well. I am completely, totally aware of this, how to be abased. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I know what it's like to have an abundance. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. He said, I've had times of needs. I've had times of abundance. I've had circumstances where things were up. I've had circumstances where things were down. But he said, I've learned the secret of it all, and that is to be content. I'm content where I'm at. He said, listen to me. I don't speak in respect of want, the lack that I have. I've just learned to be content, whether I'm up or down. I've been through all that. I've been instructed. I'm supposed to be full at times and hungry, and other times to be okay, and sometimes to abound, sometimes to suffer need. But here's the bottom line. This is the verse that we all love to quote in its context. He said, I know how these things are. Up or down doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Here's the bottom line. I'm content, Paul said, because whether I have lack of things or I have a lot of things, it's Christ that gives me the strength to keep on going. So I'm content where the Lord has me because whatever it is he wants me to do, whether I have a lot or have a little, have a whole lot or have nothing is irrelevant. It's that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Contentment was the area of this wonderful life of David. And he was contented in the things that he had. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, as we close out, he says this, let your conversation, your lifestyle, your behavior. And remember, he said, my behavior, I said, I behave myself. Let your behavior be without covetousness. Don't be looking, oh, I want that, I want that. And be content with what such things as you have for he has said I will never leave thee nor forsake me don't worry about what you don't have don't covet what somebody else has be content where you're at the Lord's not going to leave you nor forsake you he's right there and he ends it like this so that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me Lord give us the heart of David the hush of David and the hope of David and the contentment that it brought him. And may we be like Paul, contented in those things. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe in this.
what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.